Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you so much for joining in today, episode 214. Uh, now, it's been a while since we've had a lady on the podcast, um, but I believe that today's guest, Melissa Shand, is going to give us some uh, incredible uh, knowledge and wisdom uh, around burnout, but also around uh, her experience with burnout and that effect that it had on her relationship with her husband. Uh, and how she communicated with her husband and um, how she's coming out the other side of that now a stronger, more vibrant person. So Melissa is from my old hometown of Horsham in country Victoria, uh, spent 31 years as a nurse, uh, went through all the trials and tribulations of working in the health system, uh, experienced workplace bullying and uh, lots of um, trauma, I suppose, primarily to uh, go along with a job and um, and manage to, um, I suppose, get through her career by balancing uh, that out with ultra running. So um, she has uh, a bit of an athletic background and lots of different ultra, ultra marathons throughout the country. And um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the balance of um, the workplace stress and actually how to release that. And um, sometimes the running and the um, the pushing the body um, is putting stress on top of stress and uh, it's not so healthy. But uh, Melissa is certainly aware of all that now and uh, has written a great book um, called Blue Sky After the Storm, explaining a bit about her career and, uh, and how she sort of uh, has weaved her way through it. And also, you know, how she's improved her, her relationship with her husband and how she, she's communicating better with her husband now and their relationship's better than ever. So uh, if you're married or you've got a partner, uh, I think you'll find this chat uh, quite enlightening with regards to the way we could actually, I suppose, um, you know, be a little bit more compassionate with our partners and listen to them and, uh, you know, also be able to listen to ourselves more effectively. Uh, I guess that's important and that way we can sustain relationships rather than, um, you know, having uh, the turbulence that we, we basically have in a lot of our relationships these days. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat. If you'd like to uh, check out the Outback Mind Foundation website, I really appreciate that. It's just uh, outbackmind.org.au. Um, if you'd like to make a donation, I'd be really grateful. Um, it's very rare that people do, but uh, uh, I'd love uh, any support you could give us. Um, you know, our vision is to be able to improve men's mental health throughout regional Australia. We don't really get any support. Uh, we want to try and uh, help men to take a proactive approach to looking after themselves. So um, any support you could give us would be grateful. Just... Uh, outbackmind.org.au all right appreciate your feedback as well to support at outbackmind.org.au thank you g'day melissa g'day aaron how are you very well very well now you remember me a lot from my childhood but um i don't remember you that well because you were a year year older than me and um, i had crushes on a lot of the girls that were a year or two older but for some reason, I never came across <laughs> you. I don't know why. Because I would. What? Well, how come? I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I really did um, believe that I wasn't worthy of a boy to look at me in those days. So no. possibly I was hiding. Yeah, yeah. I was probably the same with girls. I didn't think any girls were really interested in me either. But uh, anyway, it's all good. And uh, look, really grateful for for um, you know having a chat with you today and. 
I'd love to hear a bit about your background. Obviously, um, you know, we, we both grew up in Horsham, but what were, what were the things that actually really, um, you know, guided you to want to become a nurse? Um, I guess looking back, it all comes back to self-esteem. And once again, I went through school um, not knowing what I wanted to do, got to year 11 and 12, still didn't know what I wanted to do. And my sister had um, actually passed year 12. I didn't pass year 12 because we actually went to Ballarat High in the um, year when I was in year 11. Mm. And um, we did that because my parents moved and... Um, Paula sort of went off and done nursing after that. And I wanted to do disability teaching, but I didn't have the academic behind me to go to uni. So I thought, oh, I'll just follow Paula's lead. So this is what I've done pretty much all my life, is probably follow other people's lead rather mm. than think for myself. Yeah. And um, so I fell into that trap. And I loved caring for my nan at home and, you know, she had a stroke and all that sort of stuff. So, And my dad had been ill with heart disease. So... Mum had been ill through her um, younger life. So I did kind of like looking after people. So that's 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 where I headed mm. as an enrolled nurse. Mm. So Isn't it amazing? Like I, I was very similar. I ended up uh, working um, uh, in the institution in Ararat. That's Ararat and Stall. Uh, like they, were, they were mental health institutions back then. And um, I was, yep. I was a really caring young person. I, you know, I just, that was the belief system that was in my family. And, um, uh, you know, I had great uh, ethics from my grandparents and so forth. And I just wanted to try and help other people. But once you get into that system, you actually like really get flogged. And um, a lot of the uh, compassion actually gets drawn out of you. Yes. And I don't think, Aaron, I understood the extent of my nervous system mm. when I went into nursing. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be this little caring role but um when they started saying you have to do procedures and show up with a doctor and it was all you did it but you know you've done it for i've done it for 30 years mm. but um at the time it was like oh my goodness it wasn't what i thought it was going to be but i continued on and ended up actually going back to university um in my late 20s and doing my rn training so mm. um i did that because in the back of my mind my dad um, wasn't all that um, he would say he wasn't bright at school but um, they just didn't have that opportunities that we did mm. and he always said go for whatever you could go for so I always wanted to go back to uni and actually um, even though I couldn't do it after year 12 I, I eventually got there in the end. Mm. Yeah amazing isn't okay. it you know one thing that come to me then um you know, you go into the roles uh, to care for people with the right intentions, uh, you know, with an open heart, but a lot of the compliance that's, um, that's set out is really, um, really, really, um, you know, hard to, um, to, to basically, you know, focus. it makes it hard to focus on what you're really there for and what your, you know, your, your core purpose of uh, doing your role is and a lot of the stuff that, um, uh, you know, that, that we get tangled up in can really, um, you know, distract their mental health as well. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So 30 years was a long time in the one role. I I felt um, burnout pretty quick um, as COVID started. So mm. it was, yeah. it's pretty just. So, so let's just go back, like, you know, towards, you know, back to your 20s and so forth and sort of working in nursing. Um, 
can you give us some examples of some of the, I suppose, the more harder experiences that you had to deal with, um, you know, early on in the piece and how you, um, how you basically manage that yourself uh, outside the workplace? It's interesting, a lot of people that work in, uh, in the healthcare system have to deal with a lot of stress and trauma and there's not a lot of support for them, you know, uh, after, after work yeah. primarily. What were some of the things that you had to deal with, do you remember back then, which were quite challenging? Well... Well, in my 20s, earlier 20s, I was still an enrolled nurse, so I didn't have that leadership role as an RN, so I felt quite comfortable in my skin as a nurse. So I always um, had good opportunities and got through the day quite well, but it was probably when I did my RN and become a registered nurse Mm. and had more responsibility, and I think that's where I probably didn't understand my anxiety was... um, triggering triggering away in the background Mm. so every time I got a new role as an RN it became a more stressful role because I was no longer the follower I was the leader yeah and um so I started I was fine as a nurse um in those situations until um I think my nursing started to change when my dad died actually Mm. um which was at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and that was when my difficult times came. So I actually had to watch my dad go into theatre and not come out, Mm. um, which was a suffering role for me and that's where my... um, I think it was my heart that dropped off and my confidence after that. Mm. How old were you? I was 21, so I I was 21, and I think I was still an enrolled nurse back then, but um, it probably in some ways made me want to fight harder, but at the same time, I probably never processed that event. Mm. And I remember wanting to leave. I was distressed um, after that. So I was wanting to leave Melbourne and I left with a friend and we went up to Cairns and lived the high life of, uh, you know, single women mm. wanting to go go partying on and, and that's when I probably partied my way through um, that. So we, we, we weren't in – I wasn't in the best place but mm. I was quickly taken advantage of after that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, well, obviously, yeah, you mask uh, you mask stuff as a young person, don't you? And uh, you never really, um, you never really, I suppose, uh, are able to process that well. So you know, I I, I knew your dad. Uh, he was a, he worked at the school that I went to, and um, yeah, I remember he was such a, a generous, you know, kind person. So that was a a fair, uh, you know, a fair thing to deal with as a twenty one year old. I would have thought. Yeah. So we we. As um, young girls up in um, Cairns too, like you were um, treated like orphans. We weren't, you know, we didn't have family around us or anything. So we just got involved with, you know, different guys and and things like that. And um, I thought I, you know, created some nice new relationship and um, things just kept, uh, I was was quite naive and gullible. Um, Mm. There was men that would take advantage of me, cheat on me, and it became quite normal in the end to to just have people do that to me. And I don't know if it was because I didn't recover properly, properly from Dad's death, mm. 
um, that I wasn't um, in that headspace. Mm. Um, yeah, just partying and drinking and, and really not being responsible my, for myself from 21, really. So you were working as an RN when you went to Kent? I was still an enrolled nurse, um, oh, but sorry, I actually... Oh, sorry, an yeah, sorry, yep. Yeah, but I actually, um, like, I was so resilient in some ways and so naive in other ways. Mm. So I was travelling on a path that I thought I could be in control of, but I was never really in control of myself. Mm, yeah. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? And. Um, yeah, you look. You know, your story is similar to mine, and and you know, I suppose lots of people too. Like we, we don't have this uh, this this clear pathway through that uh, that is easy. Uh, you know, there's usually some disruptions in our life which um, which knock us around, and you know, our brains are still developing until we're 25 as well. So uh, you know, it's probably something that we were unconscious of back then that we are now that we can actually help um, you know other people understand, but. Um, but primarily, uh, yeah, you you sound like you um, you know you tried to uh, I suppose fix problems when you sort of dig yourself back on track by uh, by taking the the career and the uh, the hard road more into nursing and thinking that responsibility might have uh, you know actually helped you. But it sounds like you you had your challenges um, once you had that leadership role. Yeah, so I'd I'd find um, friends to hang out with and. Um, try and lead my way, but I'd still get back into these, oh, what's people think of me? Um, you know, it doesn't matter if he cheats on me or I, I deserve him, you know, that kind of mentality. Um, it wasn't a very healthy mentality. And um, I guess even when um, my, my husband and I met, I actually went back to the previous relationship and he was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Mm. Um, but finally, yes, we did get together and, and I saw saw that I had the most amazing man in front of me, but I was still quite willing to try and get back with the other one. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's hard to undo those old... Uh those old patterns and so forth and uh, you know unless you start to you know really turn the corner and do some some work on yourself uh, those old uh, old behaviors seem to come up and we'll, we'll sort of get into more of that self-discipline um, you know, as we go through the, the conversation here but um, you know it's interesting uh, similar to me too like when you when you sort of got into RN and when you sort of got into leadership I was similar, you know, I sort of thought that pathway was going to fix things, but all it did was just put yeah. more more stress on top of uh, the uncertainty and a lot of the things yes. that you'd probably dealt with, um, you know, hadn't been uh, been sorted out in the first place. So, you know, we're, we're sort of going from the bottom of the ladder up to, you know, three quarters on the top without actually, um, you know, sort, sorting out what, um, what the problems were underneath to be able to have that platform so we can move forward well and, uh, and not look back. But um, this is a real key to, um, <clears throat> to depression is to be able to, you know, really sit with, um, with some of the, 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 the trauma and the problematic areas and be able to sort of, you know, find peace with that before you can move forward. Yes, that's right, Aaron. And I wanted that um, leadership so badly and it got to the stage I um, went for a, a, what they call an associate unit manager position and I didn't get it mm-hmm. and um, I was in a good place then and after that I couldn't get back there because after that my mum died So mm-hmm. um, in a traumatic way too. So 
for one thing, I, w- I was driving myself to be a leader, but I couldn't get there. Mm. Um, so things were happening, but falling apart. Like I'd try and push harder, and then something I'd go. I, I was so close to grabbing things, and then they'd just go, mm. like disintegrate. And I was like very upset and very um, underneath, but I would never show it. Yeah. 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 Did that hard exterior come out in the workplace? Were you quite, um, I suppose, not so much aggressive, but were you were you not yourself when you were leading uh, around, um, you know, your peers and and people underneath you that uh, maybe were looking up to you? Did you find the communication that sometimes were was challenged? Yeah, a little bit abrupt sometimes, not meaning to be. Um, I probably confronted quite a few people over the years. to try and lead my way in a more leadership role because I couldn't manage those positions. So I'd come loggerheads a couple of times with different doctors or, um, you know, my own leader um, in the workplace. We actually had an incident at one stage where um, we didn't agree on something and he, he didn't speak to me for six weeks, so that was pretty tough. Mm. Um, um, things like that. And I think as the years went on, I probably did get my back up a bit um there was a another incident incident with my mum um she was a patient at the hospital and this this is down in regional victoria now and um she was unable to um survive she was it was pretty devastating and traumatic for the whole family and i actually found her being i didn't find her but she was being resuscitated when i saw her Mm. um and that was really, really devastating. Mm-hmm. So they're the sort of things I was having to also have, like personal life and then not able to lead my way through nursing mm-hmm. and also at, in amongst all this was infertility. So I was unable to actually have or conceive my own baby. Mm-hmm. So as a woman, I was just falling away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you doing I to just cope? So go ahead. So I didn't actually um, feel like a whole woman. Like a lot of these podcasts that you come up with around men, it's similar. Mm. So you get to that point, you lose a relationship or you lose a a loved one or you lose something and then all of a sudden you don't feel whole. Mm. So you're actually, um, something's eating away at you the whole time. What were you doing to to, to cope, uh, you know, with your uncertainty and all that through those periods? Uh, drinking, <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of socialising with girlfriends and um, spend a lot of time exercising, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So I would um, either be personal training or um, I remember a personal trainer one day talking to me and she said, Melissa, do you eat enough? I said, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. She said, oh, you just you just seem to, to play so hard and they get so dizzy and wiped out and then you just get up again mm. i said i don't know i just never concentrate on what what i'm actually doing i just push through mm. So. Mm. Mm. amazing what what was happening yeah. for you when in those um in those moments were you calling yourself weak and were you calling yourself um 
um, you know, names to, to, to try and push yourself through. And, and uh, you know, this is interesting because I was uh, similar, like, you know, all the self-doubt and that would come up when you were trying to, um, to, to uh, you know, achieve a, a, a fitness goal or whatever to, to, to drive you. But um, it would be interesting to hear what was motivating you through those tough times. And definitely um, challenges, like if there was a challenge in front of me, I wanted to take it. Mm. Um, and when I was just personal training, it wasn't so bad because I was trying to conceive a baby. I was a little bit mindful of how much I could take. But once we finished IVF and were unsuccessful um, in not not pursuing that any further, I took up, um, a few years later, I took up running with some friends Mm -hmm. never been a runner in my life couldn't run as a child um was unable to catch my breath as a child to run and i'd watch all the long distance runners going around doing um their distance running and i i just couldn't do it i just Mm -hmm. couldn't get breath in Mm -hmm. so i stuck to my 100 meter sprint that i did really really well and then so i got into this running group at work and it was it's just a couple of girls that wanted to start a running group off and a walking or walking whatever you wanted to do and I was so breathless but I was so persistent Mm. so Martin had said to me a a little while before that he said you know your mum's died you're doing nothing you seem you know a little bit down and that perhaps start a new hobby so I started this running and before I knew it um you know it had ventured onto the 10k and then the the 21k and then I was doing marathons and um ultra running um I ended up getting to 100ks um and it was just incredible the power behind my mind and as you said what you call yourself Mm. out on those runs to get to the other to achieve that goal Mm. like I was just I would I would actually tell myself get going you know if you don't do this you you know not no good Mm. but you know this is all you've got this is what you this is this is the only thing you have now so you have to get out there and just run Mm. (laughs) so I would just run and run and run and set myself up to the next um goal I'd love the um reward base so I'd get a medal and um when I was a little girl I remember um, dad putting me in basketball at Horsham mm. and I was six years old and it was like the whole stadium stopped because I got this trophy because I'd won the most points for the whole association but I had no idea I'd done that <laughs> yeah. and it was the only trophy I ever got in my whole life but I was six years old mm. pretty much the only trophy and then so by the time I got to running and could get these trophies every time I did a run, mm. it was like, yay, I get a medal. So yeah. that that's what inspired me in the end. But, yeah, a lot of frustration, a lot of grit and hard work. Um, but I, I enjoyed it and I bounced off it every time. I was just like full on afterwards. Mm. Wow. So Go ahead. So by the time I did so much running, I was um, – I was – probably also starting to become depressed depressed and anxious again. Mm. And I actually got myself into a quite a rut with, um, I'd say, adrenal fatigue in the end. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, it makes so much sense and uh, I love it too. I love running, but I know that 
I got to a point where I had to say, look, do I have to keep doing this to, to find balance, you know, because you can only do so yeah. much and otherwise you're going to just be running, running, running and it's not a bad thing for the rest of your life, but you've got to, you've got to have that, that contentment within yourself to, uh, to know that you're enough. And I just think if It's I, not sustainable, is it? Like no. I needed an end point as well. I yeah. was at that burnout. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to you've got to get to the point where you are uh, able to say to yourself, "You're okay. You don't have to keep 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 chasing or keep running. You know, you're okay as you actually are." Uh, yeah. And that that sort of goes back to that self healing, which was probably not not done earlier on in the piece, you know. And um, and we got to the stage like you did at twenty one, and to uni, and you know, your dad dying, and then to Cairns, and you never actually got to that stage of uh, of, of being able to be, um, you know kind to yourself and uh, and forgive yourself you know um and that's where it can become a real trap exercise because you just keep chasing 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 and then your adrenals um you know kick you up the, up, up the ass and uh you actually start to uh, to, to to you know fatigue physically and mentally and that's when uh, things can get out of balance yeah for sure i had chronic fatigue i was never diagnosed with it but it was a definite mm. i couldn't get out of bed i couldn't shower i couldn't I mean, it was obviously depression, anxiety with it, but um, I was at that stage, I had no compassion or empathy left. I was, you know, that was my life. That's all I had left was that nursing and both things had I'd burnt out from. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, easy done, isn't it? But did anyone in the in the workplace actually recognise that? You know, uh, was any any of the leaders in the workplace saying to Melissa, you know, Melissa, are you okay? What can we do to help you? Uh, because they were maybe observing that you were sort of hitting that burnout stage. No, because a lot of my um, a lot of people were you know very encouraged, and you know they saw it on Facebook or whatever. They'd be like, "Yeah, go Mel." Mm. So that was that was good for my ego. It was lifting me. <laughs> um, but at the same time. Um, there was no, yeah, no discouragement of it, or no, you know, you're you're not showing up and performing well here, or um, which I know, looking back in hindsight, I wasn't, I wasn't really um, doing my job the correct way anymore. I was actually losing a lot of skills, but nobody was picking that up either. Mm. Uh, I was I was really fearful of redeployment, and I was quite. Um, adamant I hated redeployment because it was all around part of my mum's death and nobody even picked that up they were just like oh well you have to be redeployed and that's that mm, how old how old you were know? when your mum died how old was I? I was about in my early 30s yep. Yep. so it was 2005 yep. um, and so but what what I had from that when I left work was a lot of anger yeah, even though I blocked out mum's death quite a bit, I was actually still very angry at the way the system failed me in a way. Mm, it does, and, and we need to really, you know, raise awareness about this. Uh, and uh, It's been spoken about for a long time, but, um, you know, employers don't do a good job of looking after their people, you know. Yeah. All all government departments for people that don't know have got an ABN. They're they're all businesses primarily, uh, you know. So they've got yeah. to, they've got to perform, and 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 that's 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 the, the the key behind what they do. Now, there's people that actually go, uh, you know, that contribute to that uh, performance, but. The, the, the people aren't actually like being given um, the respect and the compassion and the understanding that they need and they deserve. And this is why we're failing as humans. This is why we're actually like getting 
um, you know, out of whack uh, outside the workplace because we put everything into our work and all of a sudden our work doesn't actually do much to look after us after us other than give us a paycheck, which, uh, which is nice, but, you know, it doesn't really uh, help the individual. And, um, you know, yeah, you, you, you've, you've seen it firsthand. And, um, uh, you know, for someone like yourself that's got, you know, a big heart and wants to do the right thing and try and help people, it can be so deflating when you're in a role where you're trying to give, but all you're doing is getting, um, you know, uh, no support for, uh, for the great work that you do. Yeah, totally agree. I was in that caring, courageous, kind and giving role, but all of a sudden I was a jealous, angry, frightened, regretful and sad woman. Mm. And it's just, you know, to the point, you know, you're feeling rejected, unworthy, unsuccessful. And all it is is coming from, like you said, the heart where nobody um, bothered to turn around and said, and how are you, Mel? Mm, That's right. How are you doing, Mel? Or, you know, your mum died here. Um, how, How are you doing? You know, she was one of our patients and you're an employee, but, you know, dying at the Royal Melbourne, getting a letter in the mail to say, you know, we're sorry to Mm. hear that. Mm. Just completely different way it was um, probably managed. And I think that was a little bit of my spiteful bitterness, but I've got over it at the moment. But because I've left there and I don't, I've had to deal with that. Mm. But yeah, being um, being in that position and then carrying on into you know other things like baby codes and things that I shouldn't have been in, um, because I still didn't have a stability that um, still you know expected to be in these other areas, and and that's what probably got to me in the end. Mm, for sure. Did you experience any bullying in the workplace? Yeah, I did. Um, as I said, you know, just one one incident. It was probably just an altercation that could have been fixed really, really quickly. Um, I remember uh, my leader bringing a patient back from theatre one day and I wasn't ready for it and I was in, you know, like managing other patients and I really didn't um, want that patient back yet because if I, it was now my duty of care to take over and probably looking back, that person thought they were doing the right thing by helping me but they made it more unsafe for me. Mm. So I've turned around and just said, um, sorry, but I didn't want that patient back here at the moment because I can't take care of them. Um, are you going to take care of them or something? And he just turned around and said, I am the manager, you know, really loud, pointed uh, his finger at me and yeah. got into a bit of a reactive moment with me. So I tried to talk about it later, but um, in the end it, he, he just actually shut down, shut me down and shut himself down and, and didn't speak for six weeks or so. So mm, yeah. um, a few times I'd, I'd go into the office and you just wouldn't get a look or you wouldn't get there'd be three girls and he'd name each one of them and not name me and it, it was very, very debilitating at the time. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, or they'd, it's or he'd have information and I wouldn't receive it and things like that. But I, I, I got over it eventually. But um, it does it does really. You're already excluded. You're already not a mum. You're not. You know. You've got you've got your own issues and those types of things on top of things aren't very helpful. Mm, it's still common that one upmanship in the workplace and um, um, <clears throat> you know that behaviour. Like there's people in management roles that really uh, you know. 
shouldn't be there primarily, particularly in the government uh, realm. They haven't uh, they've done MBAs, but that doesn't really mean much. You know, I don't believe as far as uh, looking after the individual and actually like being able to communicate effectively to the individual. It's all around performance. Um, no, so, you want to be safe and you want to be happy and you want to be part of the group. You want to be part of the team. Well, isn't that part of being a human, you know? Uh, yeah. We're yeah. meant to be collaborative. We're not meant to be competitive. We're meant to be doing yes. things together in union and as a team. But uh, when it's disconnected, then obviously we're disconnected from ourselves and that uh, that can be quite challenging. Yeah, for sure. Exactly right. And that's what we said. We've got to, like, I've always... In- I've always been such a person that wants to include everyone, like, mm. you know, just even at work with students and grads and people coming from overseas to do their refresher courses and things like, you know, you've just always wanted them to be included and then to have something like that happen, you just you just can't kind of get your head around it, but you've just got to move over it. Mm, that's right. Um, but you know what, Melissa, like... Um We'll, we'll, we'll get more into the nitty-gritty of this later, but, but you you were so much better than what you were, what you thought you were as a young person and you took a career path because you wanted to help. But I think, you know, now you've got out, out of the other side of it, the best is really yet to come for you because, you know, you can actually get back to your truth and your purpose and what can actually give you connection with yourself again. Yes, yeah. It's funny how your self-worth um, does go very, very quickly, though. Mm. Like... I had no idea something that would could be lost in a in a heartbeat. Mm. Oh, it can be, yeah, definitely. When you get into you can those... you can disconnect very very quickly, can't you? Yeah, you can absolutely. But but you know, I think I've had the conversation with you before, maybe, but. This is why it's really important for us as humans to get connected to ourselves, like on a daily basis, so you can get back to that baseline of who you really are. <clears throat> and you know yeah. what goes on in the workplace is just temporary. It's only it's superficial, you know. Uh, and and you, you you see you see a workplace as being transactional rather than transformational because you know there's not many transformational workplaces out, out there that are really supporting you and you're supporting them and you feel safe. So. When you're in an environment where you don't feel safe, you're really reactive all the time and um, you get taken away from your, your, your purpose and, and your truth and that's where the, all the self-doubt starts to kick in, which is not natural as a human or for a human, you know. Um, yes. So, yeah, so this is the stuff. And if that, you've got... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, if you've got the personality type that worries about what other people think of you too, yes. it's... Um, it's one that you have to get rid of fairly quickly or well, you do get yeah, um, deeper into those fearful moments. Well, you know, we, we both come from the same place and I had that, that problem a lot of my formative years into my 20s, into my 30s and so forth and that, that, that worrying about what people think is anxiety in its essence, you know, because we, yeah. we, we, were, we were always brought up to, to you know, um, uh, please others, uh, possibly, and to also, um, you know, worry about what people were saying about us and that type of thing, which is really toxic as a, as a behaviour, you know. Um, so, you know, my, my, my journey is, is to be able to help people understand that they don't need to, to, to worry about what other people think and actually, like, be content within themselves and, and actually, like, find that grounding within themselves because then... You know, if you're coming from your heart space and living from your heart space, then that doesn't matter. When you're too much in your head, that's when you're worrying about what people think about you, you know. Yeah, 
Yes, and that's been me like totally up until now, which is um, it's it's been a, a an amazing growth spurt, but a very painful one at the same time to awaken and and detox yourself in such a rapid way. Like, because I was drinking quite a fair bit of wine, mm. um, just um, leading up to this last um, two years. Mm. Uh, I rapid quick smart though when I was spitting up blood, so I um started to do it a little bit too quick maybe but it it was an awakening and it got me going so mm, moved you on that's it but yeah look isn't it uh, you know it's 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 beautiful that, that i can have this conversation with you because i was stuck in that mindset for a long time you know i really was and you know i i i, I into my 40s and it was probably a, a contributor of my marriage breaking down that i couldn't communicate with my wife about stuff you know, and uh, all the stuff that was really important to me, um, I just got shut down as soon as I started to bring it up, you know, and that's probably why our marriage, um, you know, uh, failed, unfortunately. But um, How old were you then? Uh, I was 43 when we split up, 43, 44. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but see, Melissa, like when you, when you look at relationships, like, my relationship with myself wasn't that good. And then I got in a relationship with someone else. And then all of a sudden, you know, that was beautiful for a long time. We were married for maybe 15 years. But, but a lot of my, my emotional health was being blocked and masked by maybe drinking and, and work and, and suppressing it, you know. When I started yeah, to, okay. to, to get fit and move my body and started to do things which actually connected to me, uh, connected to, to, to me and my truth again, that's when a lot of the stuff started coming up. And when I was trying to talk about that, that's when things were getting shut down and um, I was unable to, um, um, to, to express that, you know. And, and this, is, this is a real key part of this conversation. Like, you and I are very similar because a lot of that, that healing that needed to be done when we were young was never, was never dealt with, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now I, I remember. Go yeah, ahead. I remember... Um... I'm just saying back to your wife, um, Martin did the similar thing, like he not not having a go at him because he didn't know any different. But um, when I first started expressing my emotions, he would shut down mm. or shut me down. And I'd go, but I need to talk about this. And he'd go, but I'm over it. We're done. And mm. I'd go, no, I need to talk about it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I need to express it. Mm. And I'm mm. processing still. You may have shifted it and moved on, but I'm still there. I'm still, I'm still stuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's tricky. But, you, you know, um, it's very hard to go and talk to a counsellor or talk to someone. You, you want to talk to, to, to an individual you've already got a relationship with uh, because they understand you, maybe. But, um, but primarily, um, you know, there's not that many people within your family uh, and that you've got the ability to be able to communicate with it at a deeper level that can actually uh, find that compassion for you and understand you possibly and be able to give you the guidance yeah. you need so yeah sometimes that that self-work is important but also having uh, having being able to talk to someone else that's also done the self-work i think is really yes. important this is where the clinical model you know fails because a lot of the people that are in those roles haven't actually had the experience or you know, done the work on themselves to be able to guide someone that's actually going through um, you know what they haven't been through I, I think it's more important to to talk to someone that has actually been through what you've been through so 
uh, you you can mirror each other and understand each other and then start to you know uh, move forward I guess yeah that's that's definitely correct because um in the end I did get my own therapist and I I did move forward because like there's only certain things that he could help me with and he he was already trying to fix me and protect me but he 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 was already hurting watching me. Mm. I did um, find and reach out to um, some therapy and it is working very, very well and I've got a great therapist at the moment which is um, very, like even with my family, they were at the point, they were like, you know, you're too much for us. The emotions mm. are too strong. We, we don't like it. Yes. But it wasn't that they weren't not comfortable with it but they just couldn't help me through it. Yes. Somebody else had to do it. Yeah, so, yeah, um, I agree. I think that 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 third party is uh, is really important, and uh, you know, um, it's tricky. Like you know, we, we try and portray our problems onto our partners, and, and maybe you're right; they they're not uh, equipped to, to deal with that. And you know, was was that my fault back then? I, I don't know. I I honestly don't know. But um, I don't think it's anyone's fault. Yeah. I think it's always um like at the time, it's only what what you know Aaron and I think that's where we have to stop beating ourselves up and just go you know like Martin had some really good information for me that I didn't know about Mm -hmm. and he would pass it on to me and I'll go well I didn't know that quite abruptly I didn't know that how did you why did you not tell me that you know (laughs) but but he had his tools in his belt and he he had tools that he used and got through life but I had to find my own toolbox and I had to find my own strengths and um admit my weaknesses and and, you know, show that I wasn't completely honest and I wasn't showing my feelings, you know, I was hiding a lot of stuff, you know, mm. from you, different people. Um, do, do, so you know what, do you know what, though, Melissa? Like, like you think about it, um, how much better would have our, uh, our, our schooling been if they actually gave us the ability to be able to develop our own toolbox and what worked for us rather than what worked for oh, others? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, like yeah. packing, it's like packing your own lunch instead of having... <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, mum says take this, but you really wanted something else. I know the four of you are getting that. That's easier. But we all wanted individual taste lunches. But, you know, mum didn't have time to do that. Mm, you all got the same. That's right. But, but you know, yeah. Yeah, we're just educated to support the economy and, and that's all you knew when you come out the other side. Oh, I've got to go to uni. I've got to perform. I've got to lead. I've got to do all these things. But no one actually helped you develop your own toolbox? Yes. And now that I discuss this on here, you can see that you are a leader. But at the time, I just thought I was a hopeless wreck in the end. Like, I was just, you know, full of my immune system had completely dropped off with negative thoughts um, Mm. about myself in the end. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. No, no, I agree. But see, this is where being able to understand your mind and manage your mind is so important because that's where your mind will take you. It'll take you to that protective um, realm, which is your, your, your negative mind, uh, which is there to protect you primarily, and you, you'll go deep into that. Uh, but being able to, to, to observe your feelings and thoughts and emotions, I suppose, is, um, is pivotal uh, you know, to being a human, and that emotional awareness is uh, something that we're not, we're not sort of taught. Uh, we've got to sort yes. of figure it out ourselves. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think, um, yeah, as we sort of go along the journey, it sort of comes to us more and more. But you know, for people listening, you know, to be able to, to do things to connect to themselves, uh, I think so important. And having that self-regulation is, is really key, um, you know, to, to, yeah. to, to be functional as being a human uh, in modern society anyway. Yeah, for sure. And that's why um, in, the, in, in amongst my um, 
what I call a distressed awakening, um, full of pain, full of suffering, and you know that victim mentality came out, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not. What, what am I the victim for? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I wrote my book, and then I, 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 I'd been journaling my three a.m. negative thoughts that were coming up, and I was, I couldn't having these flashbacks about boys and and young my younger days and and things that I hadn't even processed, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, why am I? I had to write down and journal it out and, and, and create a timeline, I guess, mm. to find out where my um, unhealthy patterns were coming from. Mm, that's right. It's amazing how the mind will take you back to stuff, you know, uh, and, and just you, you observe. This is where meditation is really good, and you probably would have got to that meditative state when you were running a lot too. Um, yes, yeah, and you... see, that, that was meditation, but when I had burnout, I couldn't exercise, so yeah. I was trapped. That's it. Agree, and that that attachment is causing suffering at the end of the day, you know. So, so yeah, just 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 diverting it. But that, that's why I started meditation because I knew if I got injured, then <clears throat> you know I'd probably I'd probably struggle. So that's why having having the ability to be able to you know use the the, the Taoist term of um, you know balance the yin and the yang is so important because uh, if you're doing so much yang, which you were work stress, uh, you know all that type of stuff. Uh, and then running on top of it, you, you're putting stress on top of stress primarily, you know, but to get to that meditative state, you have to push your body to actually get there. Um, it's being yes. able to be uh, contained enough to be able to get to that meditative state without having to flog your body and, uh, and, and sitting still is a great way to do that. But when you've got a busy mind, um, it's, it's, it's hard to actually sit still without your thoughts dominating, you know, so that's why moving the body first and then sitting is um, a great combination because it actually helps you, you know, balance it out, oh, I suppose, a bit better. Yes. And it's interesting just, say, when you said that flogging, mm. that's what I could see my dad doing, flogging himself out, working every day. Mm. So he'd work all week and then he'd flog himself in the garden from day to night, mm. even though it was relaxing. Mm. He was still never, there was no sit-down time. So running, that's why I picked bigger runs because it was at least I was busy. I was flogging myself. Yes. Um, and see my sisters and their children. I think, oh, well, they're flogging themselves. That's how it felt to me. They're flogging themselves, raising their kids. I've got to do something. Mm, mm. It's, it was really quite interesting. I reckon your dad probably has I was some... the one that burnt out. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I reckon your dad... Um, you know, there was probably some, some trauma underneath because he smoked heavily and, uh, you know, he had to keep himself busy consistently. But, you know, maybe there was something early on in his life that he, uh, he never dealt with, you know. And, and this interview... Oh, his dad was um, an alcoholic and abused him, so... Mm, there you go. Yeah. yeah. See, intergenerational, intergenerational trauma is a real thing, you know. Um, yeah. It sort of comes into us and, um, you know, we, 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 we've, we've got a... Um, We've got to understand that and, uh, and understand that, you know, my dad's father went to war and there was a lot of stress and, you know, tension that came into his family and probably went into my dad and come into me too, you know. So um, being able to, uh, to, to, to actually forgive that and let go to that is, is really important in itself. But, um, yeah, and that's, we were given these great childhoods, but I think my dad was so protective that mm-hmm. we wouldn't have that childhood. Yes. So the resilience, the resilience wasn't always um, to stand up and try harder and go for more from him. It was like, 
don't let a man come here <laughs> who has a motorbike or has tattoos or has this or has that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, he's really laying down the law. But, um, Unreal. yeah, he was probably just protecting us girls, yeah. How old was your dad when he, how old was your dad when he died? Uh, 53. Yeah, too young, eh? Unreal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 51 oh. and um, I guess, you know, in the back of your mind when you're you're having these viral symptoms and tremors and fears and, and tight girths around your stomach and you're thinking you're having, you know, a heart attack, um, but you're having anxiety. And, yeah, that's probably was in the back of my mind as well. Um, mm. When I, you know, couldn't sleep or think or had brain fog and, you know, pre-menopause, um, possibly a menopause wasn't helping as the oestrogen was um, dropping suddenly but yeah all midlife stuff it's it's something to awaken and and reevaluate and reflect and refresh your life i'm telling you <laughs> we're, we're very lucky we've actually got to the points that we're at you know because <clears throat> a lot of people go through life and they don't actually figure this stuff out you know uh, until the end mm. uh, yeah you know, for sure and, uh, I think it's beautiful because you know you're not going to go through your career as a nurse and get uh, nurse and get to 67 and then then get a pension and then three months later probably die because you're you're so you're so stuffed you know you've actually like hit the the, the red button now and you're able to uh, realize where you're at and uh, I think yes. that um, that 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 is a gift in itself you know I'd be grateful for the first 50 years and the next 50 can be uh, be pretty awesome you know yeah well I feel refreshed already I didn't think I would get to this point I didn't think there was a future for me um two years ago and that's all I could see was no future and that's a really sad place to be in when you're ashamed and and burnt out and not wanting to um or all you do is feel alone and be um more ashamed so I had to pull myself out of it I had to ask for help I had to um acknowledge you know that I did stuff up in some places um and and that the chronic fatigue and the traumatic memories aren't here forever and what what place you know you can place trauma memories on whatever you want and that's that's what you've got to understand that your trauma is your trauma your pain is your pain um and your feelings are your feelings mm. and admitting that has probably been a me because i was always the carer assessing someone else's pain Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very, um, <clears throat> very uh, interesting that the carer quite often sometimes needs caring themselves, and you know they're they're giving all the time and they they're struggling within. I think that's pretty common. Do you know what, Melissa? I'm, yeah. I'm interested to know about your husband, and uh, obviously yeah. he, he went through a lot. Um, your communication with him is a lot better, obviously now. What were some of the things that you you did to be able to improve that? Okay. Well, my biggest thing was I got angry. Pardon? Um, the first time I actually got angry, he was actually um, quite relieved because I'd never shown anger mm. in 20 years of marriage. So if he got angry and wanted to confront me on an issue, I wouldn't say angry, I'd say frustrated. I would be the one that would just shut down mm. and finally I got to a point of anger and I actually had to say my piece and he goes thank god for that mm. <laughs> <laughs> we actually now have an argument or we have you have an opinion 
and it, and it actually opened our communication up. Mm. So we weren't actually being volatile, but we were actually communicating properly. I wasn't just being um, childlike-minded, trying to keep the peace or um, running off, going, oh, you know, you're you're getting angry, or I was finally going, accepting his anger because I had anger, but it wasn't like we were trying to win points or anything. Mm. It was just we are now on the same playing level. But, you know, we had this discussion because a couple of times um, it did get to a bit of yelling and then we made a, a boundary with from now on mm. um, because I found my power by yelling um, <laughs> and getting a bit angry for the first time and I actually like <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's interesting because I'd been abused um, by someone prior to um, you know all this happening mm. and it was just someone venting but I took it as abuse um, so it just made me realize how it can get out of hand very quickly mm. yeah, yeah yeah look uh, it's important to have a release <clears throat> you know <clears throat> sometimes in, uh, in in men primarily uh, that release uh, gets suppressed by booze as it probably did with you with um, with wine and that sort of thing but to be able to yeah, release it and yeah. get it out, it's just <clears throat> you're actually releasing this energy which is blocked in your body. If you can do that, then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you start to open yourself up to your potential. But <clears throat> pardon me, if we keep suppressing... You know, I, had, suppressing. I, had no sa- I had no safety net anymore. It was me. Mm. It was just me. So I, it was me against me and I had to, I had to sh- show up yes. as me. And it was, um, it was difficult at the start because I didn't like her. I didn't like that girl that was showing up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Pardon me. No, I, I agree. It's really, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? And um, yeah, look, you know, uh, life is an interesting um, journey and we have ups and downs consistently and that's part of being a human and part of our physiology. You know, we're, we're actually, we've got to self-regulate, we've got to do things which actually keep us balanced, otherwise you're on this seesaw consistently, you know, and that's the way the human mind yeah. works. We've got two hemispheres rather like dominant in one or the other but if you can get both balanced and get your body and mind balanced together then all of a sudden you're actually like able to open yourself up to um to to, to being in harmony with yourself and everything else around you you know yeah but, um, yeah and i think seeing martin accept my emotions now is much much better like he, initially they were because he was from a family too that was different to mine and and they didn't show a lot of emotion. So my family would show some sadness and it was happy or sad, mm. whereas he was probably from a little bit more an angry family. Yes. Yeah. Went, okay, now we are on the balance here. We are connecting. We are seeing each other's um, where we came from, really. Mm. Um, personal level, you know, that we don't always have to run and save each other or protect each other little bit like dad and me really um we can actually sit down and have an adult conversation and work things out and um not always just yeah just just think you know it's got to be a physical connection or a um you know just even like you know there was a lot of we had a lot of love between us he would always say he loves me um and all that sort of thing but it was actually sitting down and communicating as you said and problem solving and 
and knowing that we were making the right choices and getting our needs met together. Mm, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's it's an amazing thing like to be in a relationship with someone where you can communicate well. There's there's no doubt about that, you know. And you are, uh, you you know, you are in a partnership with someone um, which is able to contribute to your own life and and, and you know, really help you on the journey and. Um, this is where you know, I suppose modern society. You know, we, we see one in three relationships, or probably two in three relationships. You know, buggering up because we don't have this understanding and awareness within ourselves or the other person to 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 find that harmony again. But it sounds like you know all the all the stuff you've been through, the storm uh, has bring you brought you to a place now where you're actually starting to. Um, come back home again to to here you really are and try and find you. Well, you've already sort of started to find your purpose, I suppose, moving forward. Yeah, and we've both learnt from it and we've both take, taken lessons out of it. And I think these lessons could be in the workplace as well. And that's probably mm. looking back, you know, I could have managed my, you know, um, different things at work with my, you know, doctors and my um, whoever was the man or, you know, it's just... It's just like you said, you know, communication and knowing knowing who you are so you know who someone else is. Yeah, agree, mate. And uh, the, the thing is, uh, you know, before you say I love you, you first must understand I always say that. <laughs> yeah. and it takes, yeah. it takes yeah. a long time for us to actually understand I, you know, who, who we really are, you know. And I think once you've got that right, then the right person appears and, uh, you know, life can be... Um, can be really nice but uh you know good on martin for sticking with you and um and, and you for sticking with him and uh you know well we something he said and fancy me putting you through this and um <laughs> you know and becoming you know it was quite public i've been you know exposing it rah, rah, rah. and he goes better to have an angry wife than a dead wife yeah that's true mm. and i went Actually, now you say that because I remember one day he wouldn't go out riding on his dirt bike because I was so shut down and wouldn't speak or, you know, I was too depressed or, you know, he he knew that I was, you know, in a in not the place I wanted to be and I didn't never wanted to, I never wanted to die, mm. but I didn't, you know, he got to that point I was easily wanting someone to just take me anyway, <laughs> yeah. disappear. Yeah. Um, I just didn't see any hope at that time and he said i think i won't go on my dirt bike today and i said ah it's probably a good thing Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and things like that so we started to to recognize because i wasn't very good at asking for help Mm. Mm. yeah look you know that's that that's amazing uh because um he he's he's obviously a really heart-centered man he was uh you know concerned about you and uh and wasn't really uh um, you know, too focused on, on meeting his own needs, uh, you know, and you got to a stage there where you did need that support and help and that, that sort of heart-centered compassion overpowers everything else. But, um, uh, yeah, you just, uh, I know what it's like to feel like that too when you're in like a real dark place and it's been a long, long time since I've felt like that. But, um, but yeah, yeah. You, you know, you just... Because I was resenting him at one point. Like he wanted to go off to work and, you know, I was saying, oh, work comes first and real quite you know, immature behaviours. and mm. But he goes, well, I have to go to work, you know. <laughs> it's mm. almost like you put yourself back in that childlike mind. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. That's right, you know. And, um, yeah, the, the, those, yeah, I don't know, like we, we, we come into relationships because we have got this sense of, 
you know, I suppose need of fulfilment and having someone else in our lives which can, you know, find, um, help us find, um, you know, happiness. But um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of relationships, are, you know, are turbulent a lot of the time, you know, because life is challenging. Yeah. It's not like we're sitting around a fire singing Kumbaya all the time, you know. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have lots of uh, lots of issues in life, and you know, it's I remember. To, yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Being able to um, being able to you know map our way through uh, with some 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 balance is really key. But as I said before, like finding that time on a daily basis to connect with yourself. Uh, if you're in a relationship, I think it's really important. You know, so you've got your own time, your own space to be able to connect to. To connect to your truth and your baseline, you know, I think that's really, really key um, to, to being a human, you know, and, um, you know, this is the stuff that, uh, the, I guess, you know, you've probably got a, a real, um, you know, um, uh, opportunity and reason for being, um, uh, you know, in this moment in time because you've actually, like, gone through all the turbulence and you come out the other side but you can probably help a, a lot of people. Is that something you want to do more in the future? Definitely, like... Um, even since this has happened, like we we're not knowing if we're going to do it yet or or not. But even when we couldn't have children, there was the options of adoption and fostering. We couldn't do it at the time. My mm. pain was probably too unprocessed, and and that's when I took up running. So we got involved in our own sports and things like that. But we said the other day, you know, what are we going to give back now? We're probably over the hill now, so we can or over the hump. And um, so definitely we'll be able to support people in the future and um, get into different, um, I don't know, I couldn't even volunteer before because I was just, the fear would come through, which was obviously masking some of that emotional pain. Mm. So I want to get into helping people again. I want to get a job and um, just get back on my feet and then obviously it will evolve from there, like you said, um, you know, there's so many people we can help in this world. Um, we just have to start. We just have to start being proactive and activate it. Yeah, agree. And, and that's, uh, I think, like, you know, when humans are <clears throat> able to contribute and to support each other and sustain each other, everything comes back. As soon as you go out and do something and expect something in return, that's when you're trapped. Yep. And, and that's what we're being led to believe, um, you know, in modern society, that we've got to do something and expect something in return. But if you give something and don't expect anything, that's when life's so beautiful. And, you know, it's interesting. I know you lived in Iris Street in Horsham. My auntie Ag lived down there, Agnes Cedar. She was... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I remember Agnes Cedar. Well, if you want a foundation for being a, a good human, like Arnie Ag was it. She, all she did was did good things and help other people. And, um, yes. Uh, and she she kept a smile on her face till the day she died. So you know, there's yes. some, something in that. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I said. I My heart couldn't be open um, until it healed. And, and that's what I've had to accept because I sometimes think oh, I didn't do enough. Mm. But you can't go back. You can't change it. You can't. You know, I could have been helping, you know, young children or something, you know, in the last 10 years, but I just didn't have the capacity. So mm. I, I just, you know, can do it from going forward. Now, how I know this book you, um, you, you, you've written is, um, uh, you know, only just a little. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, it was just a memoir I sort of um, came up with when I had chronic fatigue because I couldn't actually do anything as far as physical mm. so I couldn't get back to work during the pandemic and I was pretty um ashamed of myself there and then and 
Um, so I just sort of bunkered down in in my house and I got to the stage I had no friends. So it sounds really cliche that you've got no friends. I did have friends, mm. but not in the capacity that I had before. So, you know, you dropped off different acquaintances and things like that because they were your connections at work mm. and I wasn't at work. So mm. I, I sort of probably got into my own thoughts and started delving deeper into my life and I just I just would get up and write in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep um, and I'd be wondering what everyone else was doing but my mind was sort of going back to the past, mm. drifting back and I decided I'd put it into a book. So I wrote Blue Sky After the Storm, How I Learned to Leave the Past and Find Peace, Happiness and the Real Me mm. and it's probably um, just been the the icing on the cake to, to get me back to um, reality and get me back to who I am. Mm, amazing. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it incredible? Like, um, yeah, like, you know, I've had the conversation with you. We've been through what we've been through so we can actually... Um, so we can actually like contribute better to society now, you know, and uh, and hopefully this book will help someone at 21 like you were make the right decision that actually helps them on the path there where they're going to be more connected and, and aware and contained rather than sort of, you know, getting to like the late 40s and fit into their 50s before they realise it, you know, and um, I think that's why we've got... Uh, a job now potentially as elders, uh, I guess, to be able to help the, the younger generations, but also the older generations understand that it's never too late to make a change and to be able to like do things now that can actually make uh, the rest of your life to be more fulfilled uh, rather than sort of, you know, living in, uh, in self-doubt and fear and worry and guilt and all that sort of stuff, you know, and that's not a great way uh, place to be. Yeah, so, you know, losing control is one thing, but getting back in control is the, um, the way forward, so... Now, how can people get hold of the book? Um, I've got a, a website, um, melissashan.com.au, and they can buy it personally through me and get it signed, or mm. it is on Kindle or Amazon, but cheaper through me. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Do that. Get them directly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, get a, get a signed copy. And uh, I reckon that's that's pretty awesome. I reckon this is only the first one. I reckon there's probably more coming, you know, so... Um, so uh, don't force it, just allow it to happen like this one did and then the right stuff will appear. And um, I think, you know, you, you've got a real, um, a real gift now to be able to, you know, support humanity, uh, particularly people that are working in the medical system from, from what you've been through because they'll be able to see your experience in theirs possibly and that can help them heal. And um, you know, anyone that's working in, uh, in a response role, in, in a front line, does it bloody hard, you know. It's not easy. Um, being a policeman, a fiery, or an ambo, or working uh, in a hospital, or any uh, any of the medical uh, support areas, it's it's not 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 easy at all. And um, this is where you know the uh, I suppose the authorities, the government, whoever it is, uh, you know, have got to step up and say, right, we understand it's tough. Let's actually do more to look after our people rather than um, you know have people like Melissa that have um, you know come out the other side of it, probably better people, but at the same time. We could have made their journey a lot better for them while they were here. You know, I think that's uh, that's really yeah. important. I think that's that's part of um, what you can you can help contribute more into the future, possibly as well. Yeah, it's relentless sometimes, and like um, you know, you do you you just get home, you get into bed in uh, at eleven thirty at night. I'd say to Martin, oh, I just put a patient, you know, on in a body bag and sent them, mm. you know, because we had a palliative care. Um, area to unit mm. and that would and he go okay good night 
that's a good night and that's 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 the last time you sort of talk about it yeah that's right yeah, yeah it's it's tricky to be able to re- yeah be able to you know you've, you've, you've had to you know sit with the family all night or you know it, you know had a baby come in not breathing and or you know you've, you've just sort of not processed it Mm, I know. What's the, what's the secret to be able to being able to do that? Do you think? Like you know, how how do you release that stuff? Oh, uh, we do talk about it a little bit amongst you know each other, but I think it, it needs to be on a more professional level. Um, mm. That's where I've recognised you can't um, you can't do grief alone. You have to you have to um, you have, there are professional people that can help you through this mm. and. Um, that's where I reached out in the end. Mm, good on you for that, you know. Yeah. And uh, it seems like you got the right person giving you a hand now, which is which is awesome. So, yeah, so it's good. Really grateful for um, the chat, Melissa. Thank you very, very much. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, before we move into our day? No, just the appreciation because, like I said, my um my anxiety is still quite tense and. And just having the opportunity to get on here and speak for the first time in my life, <laughs> speak out loud, because <laughs> I wouldn't even do it at school. Um, it's been a great opportunity. Yeah, it's good. Hopefully it was pretty easy for you. Yeah, no, it was been very good. And just um, communicating with you has been fantastic and what you're doing out there. And I hope, you know, as far as men, it can help men too, because we're all in the same boat. Yeah, great. Thank you.